do worry, it's not experience in her voice, it is indeed fear. Because we just watched Ahsoka Episode 4. I'm Matt. And I'm Max. And I'm Luke. And this is Force for Thought. Hello and welcome back, everybody. Uh, we just watched Ahsoka Episode 4, which I think we all unequivocally think is the best episode thus far. But before we dive in, uh, as a precursor for the Force for Thought later, well, we're going to kind of nix that segment because I gave Luke Taylor a gift uh, today and we figured I'd just give it up top. Uh, it's a Kit Fisto mask. And it's <laughs> life-size, but it's massive and it doesn't even, it's too big for my head and I love it. It's oversized and it's lifelike. 2002 first Kit Fisto design. <laughs> It's it's so cool. It is life size to Kit Fisto. It's, it's huge. He is the only one that could wear this mask. Yes, because it is ginormous. And Luke is very excited about it, which I'm which I'm very excited about. Well, we had to mention it because Luke said he will be talking about it through this episode specifically. So we wanted to mention it up top. Luke, it, anything else that you want to say about it? We specifically record this these episodes immediately after watching Ahsoka, and Ahsoka could not be further from my mind right now. I am going to be so scattered this entire episode because it is. The second coolest thing that has happened to me in the last 25 minutes now. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that is a very exciting as a friend and very nerve wracking <laughs> as, as a fellow podcast, like as a co-host. I'll plug our Instagram real quick and say go follow us on Instagram. I will be posting some pictures and a video of Luke uh, opening the mask and you can see exactly what it looks like in all of its horrifying glory. I was really hoping that was have something to do with <laughs> the Pisto mask because I was going to be like, I don't think right now is the time for a plug. We're already <laughs> Not, we're talking about the mask. Let's stay on topic. Yes. Speaking of staying on topic, let's stay on topic. This episode. Yes. Check out our TikTok. This episode absolutely <laughs> ruled. Um, I think from the from the very beginning, this whole episode, right? This at the end of the last episode, it ends in this fantastic space that we're able to explore for an entire forty minutes. And it is, it's dark, it's brooding, it feels like a summer night when you're playing outside and a storm's coming, so you know you have limited time. It feels anxiety-inducing. I mean, you have the red trees, you have this scary scenario, you have this life-altering scenario uh, about to happen, all with these gray skies, and the sun is kind of like setting. It is such a great setting for this. Um, do you guys have anything off the top of your head? Again, the setting just stuck out to me <laughs> as a backdrop to this fantastic episode. It, we've, I think, as we as we've been going, we have been ranking the episode uh, off the top, and it doesn't really mean anything because all of the other episodes we've already said are a ten out of ten, so it's not going to come as any sort of surprise that this is actually a ten out of ten. Um, but it is better than the other ones. They cranked it to it eleven. Is, yes, it is the best episode so far. I wish I had rated all the other ones nine so that I can give this one a ten. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to sound like a a donkey brain with primitive desires, but. It's just, there's so many lightsaber fights in this episode, yeah. and they're all amazing. They're I every other live-action Star Wars is afraid to do lightsaber fights because they're worried they won't do it justice, yeah. and this shows the exact opposite. They yeah. just do them every chance they get, and each one's better than the last. I know. They literally know what they're they know yeah. what they're doing so well, and I'm wondering if, like, Mandalorian, like, did Filoni have to hold back a little bit? Because this is exactly what we want in Star Wars every single time, right? Like, like if this is and this and more like more things like this and Andor can exist. That's the perfect Star Wars world. Is that combination between the two? And the thing that the, through this episode, I was thinking because I was at the edge of my seat the entire time. And yes, these are Rebels characters, so we are and Clone Wars characters, and so we're very aware of these characters, and so we obviously ultimately have stake within them instantly. Right, but like, there's something about it that, to me, anybody can hop on board and understand these characters and understand the new stakes that they're facing and the new, uh, the new horrors they're facing. Right, because like, even if you don't know who Thrawn is, you know that who Thrawn is through them. It's a mm -hmm. bad person. Like, who's gonna come and basically be like the new emperor, right, or worse? Sometimes I forget how evil Thrawn is because mm -hmm. I've read some of the books and he's not like a hero, but he's the protagonist in those yeah. books, and he's not as sinister he's written as more of a like i'm doing bad things for good reasons kind of guy but in rebels and the way these characters are acting about him he is evil personified yeah and i but i think they're and you're but you're able to jump into the show and i think they're able to um 
show these new scenarios and these new characters and you instantly care about them. We're already talking about Balin Skull, right? We're talking about Shinhati. I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but I no. want to take back what I just said. Because it's not that he's evil personified, because that's like the Emperor and he's a completely sinister person. Yeah. They're not afraid of Thrawn because he's so evil. They're afraid of, they're afraid of him because he's so capable. Yeah. Like, yeah. They know he, that he can unite the Imperial Remnant like that. Yeah. And it'll be an instant war because he's so galvanizing to his people. Yeah. He's someone to be... He's someone to, that you would fear, but he's also somebody if you're in the right head of, in the right, I don't know, state of mind that you can be easily be agreeable with him because he is cool, calm, and collected. He's not the emperor where he looks, he looks evil and is scary, right? Like he looks like an admiral, mm-hmm. like he looks like somebody you should be able to trust. Obviously, just on the wrong side. Um, but I mean, where to begin with this episode? To be honest, I mean, like we see Ahsoka and Sabine gearing up. Uh, we get a droid battle. Um, we you know we see Ahsoka and Sabine working together, and that is one of the coolest uh, fights was with the droids. I think because they are working back to back and in tandem, and it is so cool to see that. I don't think all of them were droids. I think some of them were some living people i mean they were wearing like masks and stuff so Henchmen, i don't know if they were humans yeah. or not but the sure. the droid fight between hu yang though and that yeah. hk droid was awesome they yeah, were bare knuckle boxing when that when that bad droid first appeared i was like oh i thought we were going to get a droid fight there because i started thinking right then and there that we've never really seen a droid on droid fight like that and yeah. i i was even thinking like oh what would that even mean though because they could use weapons or blasters it wouldn't be that exciting and then this happened and it was like oh my god this is so exciting i cannot yeah. believe that yeah they set this up and i had the thoughts that i just had and now we're seeing it right away it was so cool and then who yang has those extra arms but they're little baby arms yeah so he couldn't really reach them he it's was, like he was like using the little arms to try to like also punch him but he couldn't do it so then he punched behind him to sabotage the ship basically to get the attention because he was screaming for help uh, but no one could hear him yeah. and as we were watching it matt you were even commenting like oh this is so sad yeah <laughs> that was is. awesome because we've seen those little baby arms before in the clone wars right i haven't seen the clone wars arcs with him in a while in but he w- uses them to help build lightsabers right in the yeah. last episode in too. Last, yeah in the last episode when he's he's oh, he's yeah when he's got the four and I, we were all like oh we would love to see a general grievous fight Oh, yep, yep, yep. Honestly, now, though, I would like to see that less because he would definitely lose. He's got little baby <laughs> arms. There's no way he would win. Now that we know the limitations of those, yeah. The, um, You know, I guess tying this into what we were just talking about before with the lightsaber battles, too, I don't want to jump all over the place and just talk about all the lightsaber battles all at once. Honestly, I think but that the, might be a good idea because the combat in the show, it's so mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. It is. Like, I, I can't get over, like you were saying, uh, Luke was saying how this is like uh, the, the lightsaber battles and everything is like all we wanted to see. And as you were saying that, I was like, well, I really, li- I did like the lightsaber battles in yeah. Obi-Wan Kenobi, specifically the Darth Vader and Reva showdown and the Obi-Wan and Darth Vader showdown. But those were really the only two lightsaber battles in that entire show. And they were saved till the end because yeah. they were kind of like the big finales, right? Mm-hmm. This one, we get all of these lightsaber battles that are just kind of like sprinkled throughout the show, yet every single one is also a little bit different. Each one keeps adding a slightly different element to it, and you're not yeah. just like, oh, okay, I've seen this battle before. Like, let's do it another one. But now. they're also a little bit um, character-driven, I think, too. They're not just thrown in there for to be thrown in there. They're right. You know, we already get a Sabine and, uh, and Shin uh battle again right they they kind of have like a, a rematch already yeah. which is interesting and honestly let's uh, kind of as a structure maybe we can just talk about all the battles because it is kind of hard to go in order specifically for this episode i think cuz I mean, it was so action driven i feel like yes. that's all there was in the last couple episodes it seems like here's section a here's section b right it's very obvious we have a hero scene we have all this where in this episode it's like here's this big setting and everything basically takes place here so it feels like we can go i mean that's what we're working out you know, I guess the saber battle, saber battle. But I mean, there's so many cool ones. We have. I mean, do you want to talk about Merrick? The, yeah, yeah. We, he was undead, right? I mean, that I, was. I'm, we, st- I'm still out on that one. I don't. What do you think he was then? I don't know. I don't green, know. Green, green mist. What else could that be? None of it makes sense. How could he? How could he be undead? Like, what would that mean? Did Morgan Elspeth summon him and train him? Is he? It wh- had to why be is he an inquisitor? Like was he actually undead? Was he undead or was he just kind of oh, like... Was he the eighth brother? The eighth brother died and Morgan Elsbeth revived him? Oh, that could be. I mean, it could be Something that simple. Like that. But when you when you saw that slice and then like he just turned into that big puff of green dust, that's like something straight out of Dathomir. Like, Morgan Elsbeth definitely had some sort of hand in that. But then I don't did, know if we're going to find out more, though. I think I think ha- that might just be it. Until I don't think so. Shin I think Hati, it might be explained in like a, a, a book or a comic or something Shin later. Shin Hadi's response to that, though, was so jarring. She had zero idea, I think. Yeah, I don't she think, was pretty shook by that. I don't think that she was shocked that he 
got sliced. I think he was. She was more shocked that he literally just evaporated and disappeared. You think she didn't know he was undead? I don't think he, she knew. No. Really? I mean, the, the way her face was was just like that's insane, and I that's why I kind of feel like she's going to eventually betray Balin because. You know, at the very end, when uh, Shin is force choking Sabine, he's like, "I'm a man of my word," uh, mm-hmm. and I and I feel like Shin is not going to understand that. I mean, if Morgan has this power that is that she has never seen before and is more powerful than Balin, I feel like there is that possibility that she's going to oh, see yeah. that. I didn't think about that. That'd be really exciting to see. Yeah, I think that which yeah, I don't want Balin to 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 go, but I also feel like. We're only gonna again. We now I say this every week, but we only have four episodes left with him now forever. And I I do feel like there's gonna be some sort of twist where Shin, maybe we're led to believe that Balin is gonna be the overarching villain over potentially not just this show, but potentially into the movies or anything. And I have a feeling it might be Shin instead, and it's kind of a bit of a fake out. That would be great because yeah. I love Shin Hati. We were talking off the air that. I've seen a lot of posts on social media of other people giving Shin Hatsi a lot of praise for being so cool. And it made me, I know you guys didn't see those posts, so you think I'm just making it up, but it made me think of Dave Filoni before has talked about, and Ashley Eckstein and other people have talked about, when Ahsoka was first introduced and all the fans disliked her, and uh, Dave Filoni was creating like more interesting stuff in seasons two, three, and four of the Clone Wars, and people were just hating on season one. And uh, Ashley Eckstein and Dave Filoni had to say, like, just wait, she develops, she's cool, you're mm-hmm. going to love her. And then the same thing with Ahsoka in Rebels. Um, Dave Filoni like, said to the actress, at first they're going to hate you, but just give it a year or two or three and they'll start to love you. And I don't know what he started doing differently, but he's figured it out because with this actress that plays Shin Hati, he could have just said, all right, everyone is going to love you immediately. <laughs> Enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's a good thing with Star Wars in general is that that's a great rule is that everyone's going to hate you, but they will learn to love you because we'll develop you. And that's something that in the sequel trilogy that we talk about sometimes, and they, they don't stick to their guns all the time. And I feel like they, if they did, they just developed Rose a little bit more. I feel like people would have came around to her instantly because that's just how characters work. Yeah. You can't, same thing with Reva. It's like, just give it a little bit of time. I mean, I know, you know, Reva's maybe not the, the best character of all time, but like if, yeah, no, that's fair. We've talked about that. I did not like Reva's character at all, but I mm-hmm. said I'm not ruling out yeah, seeing her again. Because I would because she's changing. I would like to spend more time with her, get to know her motivations and character a little bit more, especially now that she's uh, presumably a light side user again. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, flesh that out. I 100% agree with that, and yeah. I look forward to seeing which of these characters survive past season one of Ahsoka yeah. to continue their stories. Maybe or- Reva was Marok. I'm kidding. That doesn't make sense. Don't think about it too hard. <laughs> I was trying. As you said that, I was just trying to think of. There's, a... there's so many Merrick theories. I, I, just... I hope that I hope they start calming down now after this episode. But there's so many Merrick theories so that I, I keep but... seeing online where I'm just like, I don't have time to explain to you how wrong that is. But like, there's... there's absolutely no way that this is going to be Kanan Jarrus. I'm but, sorry. No, that's a theory. Oh, that's a, that's it a, was, everyone I've seen, was a I've theory. Seen everything. Yeah. And I am now more convinced than ever after you said it just a few minutes mm-hmm. ago, that it was just the eighth brother reanimated after he died by Morgan Elspeth. Correct. But why is the eighth brother named Merrick? And so is Starkiller also just like, why, why name the character the same name? Something similar as, but Galen just Merrick? like, yeah, but just spell it differently. Like I know the spelling is differently, but like, come on, you know, it's a little I mean, weird. I've been wanting to say this for weeks. Marok and Merrick are not that similar. I mean, they're similar, but it's not the same. It sounds like if you're from Cleveland, though, or you're from New Jersey, you would say, you would say it differently. Give me a couple minutes, and I'll circle back to this, but there's a lot of examples like that in Star Wars, where there's just two characters who happen to be named something very similar. Oh, yes. Man, I really want to circle back to that right now. So you could really, I know. Think, you, I you know. put me on the spot like that, I'm not going to be able to think of any. Um, so something, I guess getting away from the, the lightsaber battles... Uh, a little bit just because I think it's so well. At first, I was like, man, this is the first episode where I noticed some dialogue things I didn't love. But then I was like, at the end of it, I was like, oh, no, it just parallels it so perfectly. We Specifically when Ahsoka asks Sabine if she can trust her, and she's like, you know I can. You know you can. It's like, oh, what? Well, so heartbreaking because she literally couldn't because at the end, she didn't shoot the, uh, the, the transporter device, right? And then the Ahsoka maybe is dead which we should get to in a little bit because that's a, a huge topic by itself but um the dialogue that i was thinking was um um she says she knows how much ezra means to her to sabine i was like what and after she finds like her ear device or whatever yeah her, and i was like that's the perfect way to start that scene but and she instead uh she says are you worried are you worried says, should i be what worried nope i was like that's a weird 
Is that what the dialogue was? Yes. And it's a little it weird. It sound weird the way you're reading it. I didn't notice anything that but, took me out of it in the moment, but that does sound odd. It was a little odd, but at, at the end of it, I do think it's okay because, I, uh, that was, again, I was thought it was going to be like more Mandalorian-y uh, when I was like, that does feel weird. But I feel like it does make a lot of sense for that awkward pause to get to the, I know how much Ezra means to you, meaning... This, I guess it's kind of kind of a, not inside baseball, but like it's such a minimal thing. But it actually makes sense, I think, structure like structure wise, if you're writing it, to be like, oh, she's finally arriving at the point, which is how, she knows how much Ezra means to her, which means all this awkwardness is just because she's thinking of, about Ezra the entire time, and the fact that she says, uh, "I fear we face a difficult, we may have to face a difficult choice," and then Ahsoka says, "We may already have." Uh, I have that, faced I it. thought that was great writing. I yes, that was fantastic, exactly, and that's why I feel like. They're they're kind of circling around this entire time, and then she finally just kind of comes out and says, um, comes out and says it. And I feel like so I backtrack on that, that that wasn't as clunky writing, McClunky writing as I thought because I was like, oh no, it actually every little dialogue uh, thing has has purpose, and it's I think it's meant to build tension and meant to build this awkwardness, uh, and for them not to get to the point because uh, much like Max and I, we're both very passive people, so <laughs> so Soka finally got to the point, unlike unlike either of us would do. Um, but man, what a heartbreaking thing! Like we see them work as a duo, we see and them. She had to have sensed. I mean, obviously, she sensed something in her because she knew that that was going to come, right? Yeah. Wait, Ahsoka. Yeah. That's why. Okay. I mean, she I she basically this... laid that out beforehand. Yeah. Exactly what happened. She's like, listen, we might have to choose between nobody going or them going, and if that's the case, it's better for nobody to go. Yeah. And lo and behold, exactly that happened. Yeah. I don't. I don't even think she was sensing anything. Like. I think I could have sensed that. Yeah, do you think <laughs> I saw where that was going? But you, I mean, no, she was sensing the fact that Sabine was going to struggle with oh, that yes, choice. Yes. Not that that choice was going to be made, yeah. but that Sabine was going to make the wrong choice in it. And she tried to nip it in the bud beforehand and say, hey, listen, if you get this opportunity, this is what we're doing. Yeah. And Sabine said, okay, cool. And then obviously when push came to shove, she did not do that. I, I've said this before earlier and no one reacted to it because it's probably a dumb idea. But we talked about potentially great preamble. Ahsoka, I'm on board. <laughs> Ahsoka is dead, but at the end of Rebels, she obviously shows up to Sabine in a white cloak, right? Very gained yes. up the white, and she does not in the beginning of Ahsoka. Do you think that is a flub, like we talked about in the first episode, or do you think eventually she'll use the world between worlds, or somehow she'll go back to the beginning of the story as a new Ahsoka, knowing what she knows now to fix things? I don't. So let's talk no, real quick how, yeah. about the end of the episode, sure. right? Because oh, yeah, clearly please. at the end of the episode, she is presumably dead, but she is definitely yeah. in the world between worlds. If you've seen Rebels, yeah. we know what that place is. Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen Rebels, I feel like people are just going to be even more confused. I'm, I'm getting more and more concerned for the people watching this show who haven't seen yeah. uh, the animated shows. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't, you should really go back and watch it because you're missing a lot of the good stuff in this I, show. But they're probably so excited to understand what this part of star wars is and i think they'll not you know spoon feed it to somebody but they'll probably treat it like this is the first time in live action so we have to explain it i mean that's not they that will. far off yeah. from where we are currently we don't know anything about the world between worlds we've seen that's it a handful it's of times relatively mysterious <laughs> to yeah. us um sorry max go on you want to go to roll i feel like most of the things that we do know about the world between worlds is just from dave filoni and interviews and stuff right um but yeah, so so at the end of the episode, Ahsoka falls off the cliff, and like even as we were watching it, we were kind of like, okay, like she's not dead. Let's just kind of cut to the chase, you know, like bring her back, show us how she's alive, and all yeah. that stuff. And then the next time we see her, she is in this m- mysterious realm called the World Between Worlds, and she sees her old master, Anakin Skywalker. Hello, Snips. I wasn't expecting to see you so mm-hmm. soon. Uh, which made us definitely think that maybe she is dead, and this yeah. is the afterlife of Jedi, is the world between worlds. Um, but then they ended that scene with a Darth Vader theme, and we're watching it with subtitles on, and it clearly said Vader theme, and then it cut to black. And yep. so I don't know what to make of that. That was not like a <laughs> no joyous idea. reunion, upbeat moment no. of like, oh my gosh, my old master. No, it was like, oh, it, it something's felt ex- It felt exciting, but then like you said, it it did end on that Vader note and it's such a scary and nerve wracking theme and it cuts to black and it's like, but that's the thing. It cuts to black. It doesn't have the credits right away. It cuts to black purposely with the Vader theme. Yeah. So what is that? I literally don't know what that means. And I will be thinking about it forever. And tomorrow I'll edit this episode. Then later that day, I'll listen to this episode. And then later (laughs) that day, I'll be like, I know exactly what it means. And it's going to piss me (laughs) off so bad. I didn't think about it that hard when we first watched it. Like you guys did. Part of me just kind of thinks it's, to cue in the audience that really doesn't follow Star Wars that is watching this show for fun that 
Anakin is Darth Vader and that's her master. I hope that's not all it is because oh, it man. is really exciting that I it might be more than that. But I wouldn't it be seemed, that surprised if that's all it was. It seems so, so far intentional. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, does Anakin Skywalker have a theme that they could have played? They got to play music there. They did have music there, though. They like changed it at the last second to the Vader theme. They could have also created some new ones. I mean, they got to play, they they play an Anakin theme, though. They got to play Anakin music somehow. Anakin Padme theme? Mm, can't do that without Padme. <laughs> yeah, she's also there. She's hanging out. You can't do the Battle of the Heroes without Obi-Wan or the Duel of the Fates. But I guess wouldn't you, at all. as a composer, want to create something brand new for Anakin, the first, you know, like this version of him? Especially Kevin Kiner, who did Clone Wars and Rebels. Yeah, that's true. I feel like over seven seasons of the Clone Wars, he had to have developed a theme for Anakin. The, I, don't know, I don't know the soundtracks as well would, as I need to to have this conversation, but it's got to be out there. Yeah. I feel like I should know that and I don't. But I also feel like he should he would create something new for this show presumably but it, but it's not there. It's the Vader theme and it's like man, it just we I'm going to be thinking about that for a whole week. I mean, I was going to be thinking about that scene no matter what. Obviously, Luke, you said this earlier is that they obviously de-aged Hayden Christensen. Yes. But I'm okay with it because like yeah, he it looks, looks great. He looks like he does in in the Clone Wars and when we last saw the two of them together uh as Anakin, not as Vader and Ahsoka. Uh I mean, what a I mean, it's a mysterious voice, but, you know, instantly when he says, I mean, snips. I mean, that was obviously, a, de- a, a dead giveaway, but B, I mean, all of our hearts just, like, dropped, right? I mean, it was yeah. just like, we were hoping for this. We were hoping, Luke and I specifically were hoping for more of a flashback. Um, obviously, with that being said, it's going to be integral to the story now, <laughs> and I'm very excited to see where it goes and to, yeah. and to see more. So Hayden where Christensen. can it go? Because we're there, right? We're in the world between worlds. All of yeah. the speculation leading up to the Ahsoka show was that the world between worlds was going to be incorporated at some point somehow. And you guys it really me just last week that it wouldn't be that the logo, the art design was just for the star map and not for the world between because worlds. Because it is the star map. I look as so well. stupid now. <laughs> it's on the internet. It's going to be out there forever. Um, but we're we're there, and literally anything can happen at this point. So I I kept saying one of my theories was that Ezra is dead, and Ahsoka is going to have to go into the world between worlds to save Ezra, just as Ezra went into the world between worlds to save Ahsoka. But now Ahsoka is already there. So, and yeah, and and like Matt was saying, I'll let you get to your theory now. Wait, did I say my theory already? About her coming back in in that last scene in Rebels. Yeah, in do her you think she's going to be gray. able to go back in? to the past and arrive at the, uh, to get Sabine, but as like a new informed Ahsoka to kind of fix the wrongdoings that, ha- that go before maybe even understand her wrongdoings, Ahsoka's wrongdoings by not training Sabine, which then ultimately led to her, you know, not trusting and wanting to find Ezra. I do not think so. No, I have talked before. Sure. I hope I talked on the podcast, I guess I don't remember, about how that scene, Ahsoka's not wearing white, and I thought she should have been because she was in the Rebels epilogue, and that was a one-to-one shot recreation from the Rebels epilogue, and Ahsoka's just wearing a completely different outfit, and it seemed like an unforced error. But it obviously wasn't just an unforced error. Dave Filoni thought about it, or the creators at B, and they chose not to have Ahsoka in the white, I think because when they originally made the Rebels epilogue, it was to be that, that scene with Ahsoka and Sabine was going to be after a big Ahsoka story arc and character change. But now that they're doing an Ahsoka story, an Ahsoka TV show, it makes more sense to have that character arc and character change come through the show. Mm -hmm. But they still want Sabine to be a part of it. So they just make that one little change and Ahsoka will become the white-garbed, new-age Ahsoka at the end of this series. I don't think that she'll world between worlds, time travel back to that point. Because Dave Filoni has said before that the world between worlds isn't about time travel. But... If you really want it to be about time travel, yeah. it's at least closed loop time travel. Mm-hmm. Meaning, like in Rebels, when Ahsoka or when Ezra saves Ahsoka from um, Malakor in the world between worlds, Ahsoka in her timeline gets pulled into the world between worlds and then gets dropped back into her timeline where she was. So, as far as she is concerned, her she did not go forward or backward in time. She just experienced a different wor- a world yeah. between worlds, essentially. She never time-traveled, per se. That's true. The way I think it's going to be incorporated in this show is I think Ahsoka is going to either join Ezra in the other galaxy or save Ezra from the other galaxy when Sabine and all the bad guys go to the other galaxy to get Thrawn. 
I think for one reason or another, Ezra will not be there or will, will not be able to come back with them, and Ahsoka will save him. That's, that's, I think exactly what you said is is more is more spot on. That makes uh, that's a, makes a lot of sense. My only thing is, I just feel like I just feel like there's something missing. I just don't understand the disconnect of why she's so differently dressed. Because it could have been. That's my only thing. Is I'm like, oh, it, I still feel like something could happen. But I, I think you're more correct in everything you just said than than my theory. But I just feel like there's that inkling in me that it's like, man, that still not satisfied yet. Fully. So if she does go back to save Ezra uh, through the world between worlds. I think we would see it play out similarly to how it did in Rebels, where, like you said, um, like it, it, she didn't really experience like any sort of time travel per se, mm-hmm. right? So I think it would kind of happen the same way, where she'll just pick up Ezra where we last saw him, which was shooting at shooting out into hyperspace with Thrawn, because I've said it before and I'll say it again: like Ezra and Thrawn were just shot into hyperspace. And then what happened after that? Like, the two of them did not just, like, buddy up and just said, like, okay, well, we're stranded together, so we might as well, you yeah. know, get along and that figure makes, out how to cohabitate. That makes so much sense. That she's, she yoinks him right when the Pergil take the Chimera at the end of Rebels. Yeah. hmm Yeah. But then, I guess that interesting. So maybe, that's, maybe that'll happen in the next episode. Maybe next episode, because uh, the Eye of Scion, obviously, just shot into hyperspace into this other galaxy... Um, with uh, Morgan Elspeth, Balin Skull, Shin Hati, and Sabine. Maybe the four of them are going to get there, find Thrawn, and Ezra's not going to be there. Oh, and Sabine's going to be crushed. She's going to feel like she just ruined everything because she did all this for nothing. Ezra's already dead, only to find out that the only reason Ezra isn't there is because Ahsoka has already saved him in the world between worlds. I think these ideas are fire. I think for rewatchability of our podcast, it's not going to be good because we're either going to be right on the money or completely inaccurate. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. right now, in this exact moment, these are so such tantalizing ideas. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, we also, next week, another episode directed by Dave Filoni, as we've been talking about, which means yes. it has to be the live-action debut of Thrawn and presumably Ezra. I don't and think it has Anakin. to be Thrawn as much as you do. I do think it has to be the live-action debut of Ezra. Interesting. I think I it'll know. be Thrawn. It's, yeah, it's going to be both. I, like, think, I think it will be, but I didn't think four weeks ago yeah. that episode five would be Thrawn's first appearance because it's a Filoni episode, but I did think it would be Ezra's first appearance. Just from like a storytelling perspective, though, I, I feel like you're going to get Ezra and a Thrawn at the same time. Yes, we saw and him. I think it's going to be next episode. <laughs> yeah. But uh, from a meta perspective, though, like we talked about before, next episode, episode five, is the second to longest episode, and it is the only other episode that is directed by Dave Filoni. So... Yeah. We know it's going to be a very significant episode for some reason. In interviews leading up to Ahsoka, uh, Dave Filoni has talked about how it was weird, like finally getting to write the script for these scenes that he's kind of like played out in his head a million different ways for years. And we don't know what that is. If it's Sabine seeing Ezra, Ahsoka saving Ezra, Ahsoka talking to Anakin. There's a lot that can happen in the next episode, but we know that Dave Filoni has been thinking about something in this next episode for a very long time. Part of me just thinks that he wanted to direct the World Between Worlds episode because he's the only one that understands it. And if he, no matter how uniquely and specifically he wrote it, that the director would just screw it up. And so he's like, <laughs> I have to do this one. Because like we've talked it before is, yeah. about how George Lucas understands Star Wars better than anyone else could because he created it and mm-hmm. whatever he thinks is. And then he taught Dave Filoni somehow. And now Dave Filoni has these unbelievable writing powers that because he was informed by George that he is now the arbiter of all that is true in Star Wars and the best lore and stuff. And as much as I would love to be a part of that club, I'm not, and I don't know if anyone else is in the entire world. And so I also don't trust anyone else to handle the world between worlds because, like Dave Filoni said before in interviews, it's not about time travel. It's not about space travel. It's about a force nexus that you can experience things through the force, and time and space isn't a factor because it's a, because it's a world between worlds. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's made that very clear in interviews. He's like, it is not about time travel. Yeah. But because then you watch it and you're like, but it could be about yeah. time travel. Like, there's an obvious connection there as to how this could work with time travel. From a certain point of but view. But you're right. I think <laughs> I think Dave Filoni realizes that, that this could be abused by somebody else to just be like a cheap time traveling trick. Mm-hmm. And he did not want that to happen. So, yeah, maybe he's just being protective yeah. over it. Yes. And he's like, I don't want I don't want you to touch that. Dave, Dave Filoni <laughs> is 
the Oppenheimer of the Star Wars universe, but he's doing it right, where he introduces this <laughs> nuclear bomb, and he's like, but I'm going to hold on to it, because you'll just ruin it. Yeah, he doesn't <laughs> give it to the government. Smart. Man, yeah. Oh, man. This show is so great. I mean, how about Hera's storyline? It's very brief. Does she put her son in danger? Absolutely. But <laughs> yeah, she doesn't want... Questionable she, parenting she decision. She doesn't leave him behind, I guess, which is also pr- probably good. I mean, no, I think leaving him behind was absolutely the right call. In Star Wars, you never know when you're going to see you're going to be back there next. You know? It's, um. I mean, we did get one of my favorite moments, though, because in the last episode, we talked about that little brief interaction with Jason Sindula saying, I want to be a Jedi. And then his mom said, I know. And we're like, oh, what does that mean? What's going to happen with him? And then very clearly in this episode, there was that moment with him right after the Eye of Scion shot into hyperspace. And he said, Mom, I don't, what did he say? He said, I have a bad feeling. Yeah. Because it's such, no. I mean, it's good because it's good because it's a great Star Wars callback and reference. It's great because he does he sense he senses something as presumably a young yeah. Jedi. Like he senses it works, something. Something's it works coming. On, like, a lot of different levels. Things I are happening. Like, and it was like latent force abilities. Yeah. yeah, it was like a fun fan service moment while also being. They've obviously said I've got a bad feeling about this a million times in any other Star Wars IP to reference that. Yeah, and it's usually as a joke. This time it was not a joke. Right. It Sometimes felt, it informs the character also. Yes, it felt like yes. it actually had a bit of weight to it, and it it, it actually worked. And it I had weight really, to it for the plot, for the character, yes. as well as fan service. Yes. It was yes, it did that exactly correctly. It was so it was so good. It wasn't just played off as a little joke, which I feel like not that there's anything wrong with that. And like as somebody that's like fairly jokey, and by fairly jokey, I mean very jokey. I also do. I think no, when I'm watching something, when to play it straight, right, and when to do something that betters the story versus like what I would want to see for humor. And I think that is very much uh, done very correctly. And I mean, you know, we get, we get, uh, we get Carson, but we don't get any Zeb, uh, which is not a bummer. But I feel, like, I feel like that was the point for Zeb. If we were going to get him at some point, it, it was there. Yeah, We last saw him with Carson yeah. in an X-wing flight suit. Yeah. I mean, it did feel like that was going to be the moment. Yeah, it felt like it was going to be, which is, now I'm wondering if he is, I assume he's still going to show up in the show at some point. I would not be that surprised if he didn't. I know, you've been saying it the entire time, I, and yeah, it feels I'm like you're more right. Too, yeah, just because it feels like this would have been it. But like, man, what a... Because they kept of, two X-Wings alive, so when the Eye of Scion shot into uh, hyperspace, it sent like that shockwave through all the mm-hmm. ships, uh, and two of them collided together. I think there were four X-Wings to begin with. There were five. There were five, so three of them collided together and blew up, and then two X-Wings survived and the ghost. Um, it, so why save Rodian. two? You save Carson, because we already established him as kind of a character. It does feel like one of those things where all the other ones are gone now, right? They're going to need more people, and I also feel like it's like, hey, you know, Hera's still here. She's still alive with Jason. Presumably, she's going to have to contact Zab to be like, hey, it's kind of one of those things like in a horror movie where like it's happening again. You know, it's like we have to get <laughs> yeah. the band back together because like you know, Ahsoka is missing. Sabine is missing. Well, let's think about Ezra this. has been missing. We haven't <laughs> talked about in a while and I haven't even thought about in a while, but I still think Captain Rex is going to be in this show. Same. Yeah. Oh, but, but so the, yes, you're okay. So like uh, Hera or not um, Zeb and um, Rex yeah. have to come together, right? Yeah, I would think so, because that's also more baggage for a show that's already very difficult for someone that hasn't seen the animated series to digest. Mm-hmm. If you just start throwing in Zeb, then the average fan is going to be like, now who the hell is this guy? Like, why yeah. Or more are they baggage like, hey. they don't know? But if you introduce Rex, it's yeah. like, oh, it's like Boba Fett. It must be a clone. Yeah. Next next chapter, please. Like, And we but get now all the joy. They're going to be like, oh, that's the, that's the guy who was talking to Carson, the Mandalorian. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? So... There, who is this guy? But man, um, lightsaber battle also with uh, with Balin and Ahsoka. Yeah, so was, good. Purposely awesome. not using her second lightsaber because she knew she was gonna have to grab the uh, the portation device, which is super smart. Yeah, uh, that makes sense. I or really think about that. She wasn't using her second lightsaber though when she was uh, battling Merak. Yeah, I'm trying to make sense of it. I'm also trying to make sense of why she wouldn't like force pull it or push it because that burned her hand. Pretty significantly. So I'm just trying to make sense of it. Well, because it was stuck. I think I think it was yeah, for, it was, was force stuck with the night sister magic. Correct. It was okay. very clearly under some sort of spell. Yes, you need, you need to poke it. Okay, you yeah. need to poke it. Po- poke. Pretty hard too. Man. It, it is funny looking when Morgan Elsbeth <laughs> summons it just using a like a completely vertical pointer finger. Yeah. So not to go into my Star Wars intricacies 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 episode, Jesus, that uh, that we put out two days ago at this point now. 
uh, one day ago at this point, <laughs> one day ago, it came out today, uh, uh, which is Tuesday. Um, but she, Ahsoka burned her hand and she died. Now she's a force ghost. She doesn't have to deal with those burns, presumably. Well, yeah, that's, that's an interesting point because do you think force ghost Luke Skywalker has his robotic hand or his, uh, you know, oh, biological hand? I don't know. Force Ghost Luke Skywalker is in The Rise of Skywalker. If yeah. we pulled it up right now, which one do you think he's going to have? Do you I, know the answer to this? I do. I think it's the, me- the mechanical hand. Max? It's got to be a biological hand, because doesn't Anakin Skywalker have biological limbs at the end of Return of the Jedi? In The Rise of Skywalker, yeah. every single scene with Force Ghost Luke Skywalker, he's got his hand in his pocket. His right hand. The the one that was You're severed. kidding. So yep. they just didn't want to deal with it. They did not. They chose to not deal with <laughs> that it. That is hilarious. How can we not stir up controversy? That, now that I've shown that, now that I've told you that, it is so obvious when you rewatch it. That's so fu- Luke. That it looks awful. My <laughs> am, I, I mean, am I wrong, though, about Anakin Skywalker at the end of Return of the Jedi? Do you see his hands? I don't know. I can't picture his hands. I want to say you do see his hands, like the the updated versions with Hayden Christensen, or even the older versions. No, I don't I know why I think I know more. Clearly, this was the conversation they had no. at Lucasfilm during <laughs> all of Episode Nine, and I they were like, "Just put it in his pocket." I don't think you do see his hands. I think his his robes are covering them. I think is I don't think you see his hands either. Man, this is we're just uncovering a whole th- like a. But I mean, his face isn't horribly scarred and burned anymore either, though. Although he's also younger. I don't know if this was a theory or if it was an interview or something. Somebody said like, "Oh, when you become a Force ghost, you like revert to the last moment of like being a Jedi." So like that was like the last time that Anakin was like part of the light because like becoming a Force Jedi or becoming a Force ghost, you return to the light, so you revert back to your what stage when you were in the light. Cut in half. Does that count? You'd be a force ghost half. Yeah. That'd, that'd be pretty lame. Interesting. Something to think about. Let it's us never, know if you... never come up. <laughs> let, let us know if you know anything more about it. Anyway, I, I distracted us. We were talking about Ahsoka burned her hand, and that, that does not necessarily guarantee that she will have a burned hand in force ghost heaven, but it does not mean she won't. Sorry. Either. Yeah, I threw us off our track because we I was talking about the Balin fight and the Ahsoka fight, which was awesome. Yes. Ahsoka <laughs> chooses to, one, to use one lightsaber because I think I don't even... I. Practically, I think it's because she had to pick up the thing with her hand, and that's why. But I like to think it's because Balin Skull uses a very aggressive, powerful yes. uh, lightsaber fighting technique, mm-hmm. and Ahsoka chose to use one lightsaber for mm-hmm. the added strength and stability as opposed to two because the speed would not have helped her as much which, as the strength that she needed. Which she does do sense. that with her saber, too, at the end, which is the scene we're watching. It's paused on the screen. She's using the force to push back the saber. Yeah. So, I mean... Right there, I think that's a great call. And also just, like, the way Balin fights is so, like, medieval knight. Uh, it's so cool. It's so different. We, I don't think we've ever really seen that specifically in live action. Um, the, so, his, his lightsaber hilt is, like, twice as long yeah. as everyone else's. Because he holds it with two hands, but his hands are nowhere close yeah. to each other. Like, it's built like a broadsword from the Middle Ages. It's massive, but it's, like, the same size sword. And it's not any heavier or stronger. It's just the way he uses it. And his lightsaber comes to a point, too, which is interesting. He's that is interesting. A lot of, like, medieval, yeah, like, similarities yeah, yeah. there. In Jedi Fallen Survivor, or Jedi Survivor, um, you have a lot of different lightsaber stances that you can use. And the cross guard stance, which is, like, the Kylo Ren lightsaber, yeah. you use it exactly like Balin's goal was. Like, I think Trend. some of the choreography is literally lifted from that video game really? or vice versa. So it makes me kind of bummed that he doesn't have a cross guard saber because that would be cool. But it looks so similar and yeah. i was thinking of my experiences playing the game this whole time and how similar it is and that's why i thought like oh yeah she wouldn't want to use her double bladed or her two lightsabers because the the speed and um maneuverability doesn't help against so raw strength you need to use one lightsaber that's i do really call. love that they're using that duality between shin and balin where balin is clearly like the the pure the raw strength whereas yeah. shin hati is more about the speed and agility yeah, another parallel to the Darth Bane trilogy of books because Darth Bane and his apprentice Anna were just like that, and the book goes into so much detail about how Bane relies on his strength and passion over lightsaber skill and technique. Sometimes and he also had a lot of skill and technique, but how his just strength was so overwhelming, and that was the vibe I got from this fight with Ahsoka that yep. his strength is just overwhelming. Like it's not about him being a fantastic swordsman, which I'm sure he is. It's just that he's. I saw a, a post on Reddit, I think, that he's built like a fridge, and it shows. Like, this dude <laughs> yeah. is yoked. Yeah. He also has great quotes, left and right. Mm-hmm. The one that's a little heavy-handed is when she's like, you have to have faith. And he's like, I lost that long ago. Um, it's like, yeah, we know. We 
but it's still cool, kind of cool to hear. I didn't have a problem with that. I liked it. I don't have somebody who, like, as Luke Taylor would say, he spits fire all the time. Maybe one of his least. Uh, <laughs> That's fair. But, like, just when ah- ah- Ahsoka ignites her lightsaber and he says, how inevitable, so good. I'm still curious about his intentions. You know, he doesn't seem like yeah. he likes Thrawn. He doesn't care about Thrawn. Let's speculate. What, what, what do you? What do we think? What's Power he trying such to do? as you could never imagine. I have no idea what that implies. Is one... he trying to destroy all the Jedi to rebuild his own version of the Jedi Order? That I, I think it has to be something with the yes. world between worlds. I think it has to be mm. like how Palpatine wanted to control the world between worlds and rebels, and that would lead. I mean, that's that's but, the only instance of of. Like unlimited, unbelievable power that I can think of. But I think Why Max would Thrawn is right. help him get that though. No, I don't think Thrawn will. I think Thrawn will overtake things, and then he'll he'll. Like, I think you're right, Max. I think he's able then to insert order in an, an orderless world, and that's why Shin Hadi has the 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 Padawan braid then. Because I, I think you're right. Why else would she have that? It's like I don't he's... think Balin um, cares about Thrawn at all. I agree. I think it's all about something with the Pergil or this other galaxy or the world between worlds. Mm. Or because there's also a theory that the original portal to the world between worlds that was on Lothal from the Jedi Temple mm-hmm. with the the Mortis gods that was being um, transported away on the Chimera on Thrawn's flagship and it's now in Thrawn's uh, star destroyer in this other galaxy so that might be what he's looking for. Oh. That's okay. a whole other thing. That's I I agree. Though. I don't think he cares about Thrawn whatsoever. But I, I mean, if not Thrawn himself, though, obviously he has. S- very serious motivation to get to Thrawn. That or yes. what Thrawn's going to bring, which is war, and then right. in in that destruction, he can create something new. And I, I, don't, I, I don't even know. Think well, he, he has... did say something a lot like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe. I think he has his eyes set on bigger goals, though. Yeah, I, oh. I think whatever whatever he expects Thrawn to do, he is expecting to do. He thinks. I can't think. Balin Skull thinks that whatever he is going to do will basically trump anything that Thrawn can do. The exact quote is, one must destroy in order to create. So, he wants something new and shiny. Mm-hmm. And he's going to create it. And, and I, the war will man, help him get there. He's just he's just so good. The show is so great. And then we also have Hayden Christensen, which is just like, I'm so excited about. But like I'm still thinking about Shin. I should be thinking about Hayden Christensen these, this entire episode. But yet, I'm thinking about Shin Hadi. And I'm thinking about Balin Skull. And it's like... The Kit Fisto mask? And, and the, Same. <laughs> I was going to joke and say the Kit Fisto mask. But I was like, you know what? I called out that I'm too jokey. And I'm not going <laughs> to try not to do it this episode. Um, but <laughs> the Kit Fisto mask? But yeah, I mean, like... I, I, I mean, oh, We also haven't talked fully about Sabine fully kind of trading on Ahsoka. And she wants to see Ezra. She wants to go and figure that out. And she, Yeah, how's that going to impact their relationship? Do you, did Sa- <laughs> I mean, does I don't Sabine, know. She might be dead. Did Sabine see Ahsoka get thrown off the cliff? Yeah. I, can't, I can't remember. So yeah. she she thinks Ahsoka's dead. I'd probably go find Ezra also. I mean, uh, Sabine has no family, and then Ahsoka comes back. She kind of has a master, but she doesn't like her because she yeah. boofed the map already once. And now and you Ahsoka's hate to, dead. You hate to see it, but Balin's skull was making a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Sometimes villains do... Uh, Makes sense every now and then. Where's it going? So, if Ahsoka, <laughs> I have so many thoughts. Right I know. Now. I mean, because so- Ahsoka's not dead for good, right? No. I, mean, I mean, she's obviously going to come back at some point somehow. Um, but I'm very curious as to see what that relationship is going to be like. How that's going to be affected with Sabine the, making the world this between worlds is not Force Ghost Heaven. It's not an afterlife. If anything, We've I think never been led to believe that. No, I think maybe there's a portal to the world between worlds on Setos at near this sure. place because it has something to do with per. Does it have something to do with Pergil necessarily? I don't know. I mean, they were th- they were there. We don't really know much about anything though. It's like, d- did she is she able to just transport herself there? Is there a portal? Did she die? Th- these are all like viable. <laughs> That's true. She could just not be dead at all. Yeah. And it was a portal. But why did he say, I didn't expect to see you here so soon? That line kind of irks me. Strongly hinting at the fact that he assumes she's dead. Yeah. But I thought that the world between worlds was outside of space and time. And so, like, what does time, what does that mean so soon if there's no time? I'm nitpicking, but I had that thought. Yeah. It wasn't very good. I saw you, (laughs) I saw you cock your head looking like, wait, what? Man, it's, yeah, it's no McClunky writing, but man, I don't know. I I am enthralled to see what happens. Enthralled? Nah, I'm enthralled to see what happens <laughs> next week and, and the rest of the show because I feel like a lot of our theories are are coming up. Bubba Kiss 
and yet we're getting something better. Because I feel like we always kind of say the expectation is is the is the death of curiosity. I, I don't know if I've actually said that those words before. Because as I said, I was like, am I smarter than I think I am? Um, I've never but, heard that. that. That's a good quote. Thank you. I, I like it. <laughs> I, I, we said something along those lines, and I, but I think you know you're setting yourself up for uh, failure if you're consistently thinking your expectations are better better than what's gonna happen. And yet this show is doing things better than we thought were gonna happen. I think. And in a more exciting and interesting way, because I don't think I could have theorized any of the things that we saw in the episode one. I was like, "There's no way that Sabine's gonna gonna go with Balin." It just doesn't make any sense. And now it's like, it actually makes a ton of sense. And it's man, she's just kind of getting eaten alive by wanting to search for Ezra. And it's like, kind of, it's really sad. Um, you know, again, like we all talked about how she moved. No, everybody else moved on besides Sabine. And now you're we're really seeing the the side effects of that. Is that she's very susceptible to be like she your entire life has just been waiting and searching and now she has to go through with it because what else is there? I wonder if she's also going to be under the assumption that Hera's dead because she saw that Hera came oh, to yeah. rescue her and they were right in front of her and then they jumped into hyperspace. She probably thinks they they holdowed her. Yeah, and they, she yelled Hera like she was like, this yeah, is not going to end well. Mm-hmm. And if she gets to Thrawn and Ezra's already been saved from Ahsoka and the world between worlds and she thinks Ezra's dead, Sabine is about to hit an all-time low. And honestly, deservedly so. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's rude. <laughs> she, I know, well, I know. She messed up. No, I mean it. it it's part of her character arc, right? I mean, she is going to hit bottom before she gets Max, better. But she it's messed my up. Character flaw. But they, any Peter Rabbit fans out there? But you she cut that. <laughs> there aren't. She said the movie or yeah. the book. The movie. Luke loves Peter Rabbit. Have you every, seen it? Every Easter, he demands that everyone see. You just like a Tom Gleason and Rose Byrne. Yeah, both Star Wars alums. But a boom. And we tied it back in. Yep. Yeah. Don't have um, to edit it out anymore. Don't have to edit it out. Thank God. Um, but we, she made a mistake, yes. But she was promised, basically, that war will come if she goes with Balin's skull. And the entire... And Hera, she betrayed Hera in the fact that Hera was like, I'm trying to prevent another war. Mm-hmm. And instantly, that has all gone away because Sabina's like, I want to find my friend. Which, you know, if you guys were in the world between worlds or if you guys were in a different galaxy, I would also go and search for you. I would not... Thanks, buddy. I would not let these things happen in order to search for you. Maybe Matt, oh. because he just got me the Kit Fisto mask. That, that, gets, <laughs> that gets him a lot of credit, but she is starting a galactic war. Like, this is intense stuff. Yes. But she's doing it expecting to find Ezra, and Ezra's going to help her save the day and prevent all of the galactic war. I don't think that's why she's searching for him. I think she's just searching for him because, like Balin said, that I mean, he knows he he read her mind, right? He felt her feeling. Is that, that she feels like Ezra's the only family she has left. Yeah, she definitely he definitely is. Um, are we to the point where I can just start going through my notes? Cause let's, we, go, let's go through the notes. I definitely feel like we're at that point. <clears throat> um, the scene with Ahsoka and Sabine in the beginning of the episode mm-hmm. when they were about to go into the forest it had the same framing as the Anakin and Obi-Wan on Mustafar, the Your New Empire scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought that was really cool, but they didn't do the focus, how it was, how you have both of them in focus and one's close and one's far. Yeah. They had the typical focus where only one was in focus and then it would shift to the other so that was kind of a rack focus i I thought is that what it's called Mm -hmm. i thought that was going to be a very much a very similar kind of recreation of that scene but whatever i thought that was going to be cool and it wasn't so that was kind of (laughs) disappointing um the Almost an Anakin quote. <laughs> to be clear, you only thought that because there was a shot where one of them was in the foreground and one of them was in the background. Yeah. <laughs> you, might have, you might have looked a little too far into that one. No, it was so close. Look, that feels like something that you could have just thought and not said because it didn't have any sort of conclusion to it. <laughs> okay, cut that. <laughs> uh, we'll I can't ma- now. We'll make it seem like I thought it and didn't say it. <laughs> it was stupid anyway. You're right. Just forget about it. <laughs> Now I'm self-conscious to bring up any of my other no, notes. No, no, they're all good. Sometimes no. we have to do what's right regardless of our personal feeling. Uh, Ahsoka said that, and it was very similar to what Anakin said mm-hmm. to Padme, right before Padme said, you're all grown up, and it made me think of that. But that's who cares about Luke just thinking about Also very similar to what Ezra told Sabine in the recording he left for. That's what I meant the other day, or the other week, when I, we were talking about how I think Ahsoka is doing something, is doing things because she thinks they're right. And Max, I think you fought back a little bit on that. Because I, I did say it wrong, but I don't. I think that Ahsoka isn't taking any of her feelings into account. I think she's just doing what she thinks should be right, um, and and that's impossible to, you know, talk back to because I'm referring to an episode that I've been thinking about <laughs> because I said it wrong. So <laughs> there's not much anywhere to go here. <laughs> I just want to bring that back up. 
Um, I thought it was kind of silly the way they ran away from Hu Yang when they were talking, and Hu Yang said, oh, stick together, you're always better together. And Sabine like made a snarky comment and was like, okay, we'll stay together. And then they turn around and just go into a dead sprint. Like, if you're in that big of a hurry, like, don't talk to Hu Yang anymore. Yeah. You gotta just go. <laughs> and not only that, but then later in that episode, Hu Yang comes out of the ship talking normal volume, <laughs> yeah. expecting both of them to hear him. Yeah. And I'm like, there's like they said, they're twelve clicks away. And then the second they run into Shin and Maroc, the first thing they do is split up. And as soon as they did that, we everyone was like, "That was exactly what you weren't supposed to do." Yep, yeah, you didn't listen. Uh, my last note: the end of the Sabine Shin Hati fight when Shin Hati uses the smoke grenade, which was pretty neat. Yes, she's um, a magician. Yeah, Sabine frustrated. It's an illusion, Michael. Sabine frustratedly sighs, and the subtitles even say "frustratedly sighs," <laughs> and. I do think that that is a bit of a character beat because Sabine must have a death wish because she was losing that fight 10 ways to Sunday and then Shin Hati just smoke grenades and leaves and Sabine's mad about it. Like, that is a blessing like you've never seen. She (laughs) wanted to fight this to the death even though it was a 90% chance of fail. While we're talking about that scene, there's a couple things I want to point out too because there was that really cool moment where she put her hand up and like Shin, like, uh, she like, kind of backed away for a second like she, yeah, was, she was about to use the force herself. and then she did it and she's like you don't have any power here and then she like clenched her fist and she shot her with the wrist rocket it was super cool but once again they clearly hinted at uh, uh sabine being able to use the force and her failing i'm really glad that we're getting these beats of her not being able to use the force to show the transition but we are eventually i feel like now definitely going to see her use the force at some point yeah. right this is the rule of three and i feel like that was the second one the first one was her training with the cup so I feel like the next time she tries, she is going to do it, and it's going to be a really cool moment, but I don't know what it's going to be, and that's going to be fun to see. The other yeah. thing is that weird shot at the very end where they just focused on her helmet. Yeah, I noticed that too. Hmm. I don't know about that. Well, she doesn't pick it up. I think it's almost one of those things where she's leaving oh, she left it behind. her old self behind in, in a way. Maybe it's a metaphor. You're right. She didn't or... have that with her when she made it to the, to the no. map, did she? Yeah, I agree. That's why. Yeah. Uh, and probably because Hera's going to find that and presume that she's dead. Uh, yeah, Hera will definitely find it, and that'll be the point. Or Hu Yang will find it. But someone's going to find it, and they're going to think well, that the, she's dead. The upside is that her head's not in it, so that could still a mystery. <laughs> not a Django Fett situation. <laughs> that's true. That's, yeah, that's good. I think it's going to be... It's reminding me a lot of um, The Legend of Korra. Did you guys watch that? Mm-mm. No. Uh, that's so the, the sequel series Avatar. to Avatar The Last Airbender. Oh, she's the next Avatar. Um, she's, she can bend three of the four elements and she has to learn air and she can't and it's like a story beat that she can't learn how to airbend and then they save it for the very end when it's like the most important mm-hmm. point to airbend and I think something cool is gonna gonna be like that yeah uh, I agree it doesn't really land if you guys haven't seen The Legend of Korra because it's like she loses all of her other bending so she has to airbend and it's really cool and I think it's gonna it might be something similar to that like no one else can use the force because oh man maybe they'll bring back the the I'm not gonna pull this name Mir- I'm, gonna, I'm gonna say Mirakur right now because i can't think of what it actually is but in the thrawn books in legends there are little cat-like animals that are force nullifiers they like interesting you they like make a little bubble where you can't use the force in or around it and thrawn would always walk around with like two or three and Um, maybe they'll bring those back and sabine will do something with the force for the first time around that when ezra's ahsoka can't that'd be cool it would make sense too because uh thrawn is very much a uh studious tactician like i feel like he spends all of his time studying and that's why he is so good at like strategizing all these different plans and stuff and obviously at the end of rebels he was foisted and it was because of the force and it was because of ezra's connection with the pergial and so i feel like whatever thrawn is doing in exile it is going to have to do with the force and thrawn studying it so that he can't be beat by it again so that would make sense if they introduce some sort of animal like that to kind of negate any sort of abilities in the future it's called the isalamir which Mm. i I was not close at all haven't read the books in many years but um that is definitely what i was thinking and george lucas has said before that he didn't like the existence of that because the force is in all living things and he thought it was kind of antithetical to what the force is Mm. yeah and maybe dave filoni will work around that by saying like oh well george it's a different galaxy where they come from (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole reason to have a separate galaxy. Max, do you have any notes uh, or other thoughts? Um, I don't have anything additional. No, I think that just about covered it. I feel like this has been a long one, but there was so much that happened, and it was so good. There's, and this is the dumbest note to go out on, but I have the one, which is when 
Hera says, you'll think of something to the guy to the about the meeting. Oh. And then it lingers on him for just yeah. a little bit of trying to think of something. And, that's, and I think that's a great example of the pacing and a funny moment that is like not a topical joke, not a Star Wars reference. It's a, it's a natural moment of funniness in Star Wars, which I feel like is fantastic and very welcomed. I loved it. And yeah. as soon as he said that, too, I, I thought, like, oh, okay, if that were me, because he said you have a general staff meeting, I would just go into it and be like, oh, a general staff meeting. I thought you just meant, like, <laughs> a general staff meeting. <laughs> but, <laughs> Sorry, she did not get that. She's away. <laughs> she sent me in her stead. You thought of something. You should email that guy. <laughs> what was his name? Harkins or something? I have like no, that? I- <laughs> I have I no idea. Know. It's said in the subtitles, but I forget. I'll go back. The best mystery of uh, today definitely is that what got that guy's name <laughs> of everything we talked about um but yeah that was the this episode of force for thought episode four of ahsoka um we all loved it um i you know i guess we can now leave you with the what we've recorded first which is me giving luke taylor the kit fisto mask um, and if you want to see it again check us out on instagram and you can find us on across all the socials at uh force for thought youtube uh instagram tiktok twitter um reach out check us out wherever you're listening to us make sure you like subscribe give a rating do whatever it is you can depending wherever you're listening to us it really helps the podcast go a long way yeah gosh this is so exciting that i'm going to be able to re-listen to myself opening the best gift i've ever gotten in my entire life it's like i can see the the happiest i've ever been like it's opening the kit fisto mask the birth of my son like this in is that so order. cool <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's all well, right. And now you will get to listen to it right now. Well, I want to start this episode, but I also do want to give Luke this gift, which I feel like now is not going to be nearly as exciting because we just saw Hayden Christensen on in Star Wars again. I don't want to uh, toot my own horn, but I'm a very good gift receiver. Oh, so good. I am a very let's, bad let's, gift receiver. Really? Yeah. It's, it's one of my strengths. This is, a, this is I, I don't think it's a, it's a stupid gift. This is a free tote I got as well. Um, here we go. I, I this is early early is, is early the tote part of the gift. No, fuck no. Uh, it's early Christmas, late birthday. So he will need the tote back. So look, right before you go, don't look into it. Well, you, you probably know what it is now. I know you're trying to collect every Kit Fisto thing, and so <gasps> I found a, it's a Kit Fisto mask. Oh my goodness, I love it. it <gasps> oh wow. Now I feel like you're playing it, it is up. Huge. It's is life massive. size. It's I huge. love it, Matt. <gasps> it's from 2002. Where did you get this? Uh, so I was I have a Darth Maul mask from ninety nine. The tag or, is still on it. Yeah, the ma- the tag is still on it. And so I was looking these up, and I was like, "Holy shit!" There's a Kit Fisto mask, and I googled it, and they go for like pretty expensive. And this one was like not inexpensive, <laughs> but it was not nearly as expensive as the other ones. And so I was like, "I have to pull the trigger and get this for Luke because it is incredibly creepy <laughs> and, oh my and very gosh, cool." Matt. This that is, is the be- this is what? literally the best gift I've ever received in my entire <laughs> life. I know I know you think I'm overcompensating now because of what I said, but this is literally my favorite thing I've ever been given uh, in my life. Why is it so big? That is so It's like they expect someone with dreadlocks to wear it. Correct. Put it on, Luke. I could not believe this existed. <laughs> like a glove. <laughs> it probably would fit you, Max. <laughs> Hey, <laughs> I hope we have like the same head shape. I am so happy. It is comically large. That was like made it's by huge. Lucas or whomever. It was like licensed. Yeah, it looked at the a, tag. It has like the Star Wars tag toy. on it. Yeah, it's it's the it's in the same line as the Darth Maul ones, I believe. Which is actually look at look at that tag. It has like that early two thousands branding on it that we were just talking about with the the board games yeah, too. It does. Yeah, dated two thousand two. Yep. I could not believe that it was in as good of shape as it as it is. Oh my gosh, Matthew, this is the nicest thing anyone <laughs> has ever done for me. I love it. Oh, that makes me very happy. This is wow. the perfect reaction. We were just talking the other day. You said I want to collect every kit I Fisto do. thing. Uh, was it when I said that I think I have collected every kit Fisto toy? Because I thought I was done. You yes, you you were I mean, talking. I haven't, I haven't looked that specifically, but I definitely have yeah. like most all of them that I've ever seen. Yeah, literally the day after that conversation, I was just like perusing the internet for some random Star Wars stuff, and I came across this kit Fisto mask, and I was like, I bet Luke doesn't have this. What would you do if I did have it? <laughs> I would just play it for myself. <laughs> I actually already have six of these. In fact, I'm the one who sold this to you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to sell them off. 
<laughs> He's been selling them on eBay for years. Why is it so big? There's like a mouth hole and a nose hole. Like it's supposed to be skin tight, but yeah. it's like there was it's inches not. between the back of my the back of the mask and the front of my face. Yeah, yeah. You could put an exercise ball in that thing. That's the kind of thing that when you're a kid, if you got it, you're like, when I grew up one day, that'll fit. It's never going to fit. <laughs> no. Like, we're all grown adults, and there's, I mean, our heads are stopped growing, I hope. I feel like I could put on one of my helmets and that mask over top of it. I agree. But don't try it, because I think it'll rip. <laughs> and they're kind of hard to come by, the Kid Fisto masks now. I love it. <laughs> makes me very happy. I am so happy. I cannot believe you did this for me. You know That it. is so nice. <laughs> Look, as big of a Kit Fisto fan as you are, you deserve it. Thank you. You stuck with it the entire time. <laughs> I do not think your wife is going to like that. <laughs> I would confirm that probably as well. If I, was not a, if I were not also a Kit Fisto fan, it would be very off-putting. <laughs> your child is going to scream when he sees it's it. It's just the right amount of lifelike to play math. <laughs> just enough to freak you out. Yeah. Like, the, the lips freak me out legitimately. Because it's from 2002, so it was the first Kit Fisto design when he was more human-looking than fish-looking. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Thank you so much. Yes. I have the biggest smile on my face, so I'm not even thinking about Ahsoka. See you, Sammy. Sammy.